Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're talking about the Catholic Church and death. Yeah, we're going to get into all the gory details of what the Catholic Church teaches about last rites, the prayers over dead bodies, cremations and burials, Catholic funerals, black vestments, and more. And the Dies Hire, Dies Hila. All right, good to be back here. I'm looking forward to this episode. I think mm-hmm. it's something that uh, we haven't talked about yet. I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, here on the Day of Wrath, we have Ryan Delacrosse, myself, ah. Ryan Shield, and Father Richard Pagano. The Day of Wrath. <laughs> That's the Day of Wrath on the Catholic Talk Show. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Who's excited about it? We're excited about it. Yeah, I'm very excited about sharing the beautiful ministry of priesthood as it relates to funerals and care of the sick and those who are dying. Definitely a passion of mine and my priesthood. But before we get started, I just want to encourage you, hit the subscribe button, click the little bell. Every time we shoot a video, it'll populate in your feed and YouTube. We're on a lot of different podcasting efforts, uh, you know, just for people to listen in. So check out CatholicTalkShow.com. There you'll see every way to listen in as well. Big thank you to our patrons. If you want to financially support the show, please go to Patreon.com forward slash the Catholic talk show. You'll see every way that you can support us. We got some awesome gear and some specialized content. So check that out today. All right. When we talk about death, you know, I mean, I think you got to like really look at how we approach death and, you know, how we pray for a happy death, right? In one of the rosary beads, it's, it's uh, in one of the rosary, it's, it's the assumption of Mary. We pray for the grace of a happy death. So even leading up to death, we ask God to to give us this grace of a happy death, which we'll talk about, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's very important that, you know, there's there's bookends here, you know, even even leading up to death that we we ask God to intervene in, in those instances. And I think as we talk about the ritual of, uh, you know, the sacrament of the anointing of the sick, we talk about funerals and all that, that it's it's a continuum, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is kind of a suite of of movements, mm-hmm. prayers, rites that are all guiding people to their to their final judgment and to their reward. Mm-hmm. Um, so St. Joseph the, is the patron saint of happy deaths, too, and I yeah. know that we've talked about that, I think, in another episode. And that yeah. prayer is one of the most popular ones of, of that uh, association. But either the shorter book of blessings is, is a shorter version of the much larger book of blessings. And in the book of blessings, there's even a blessing for when you conceive a child. So when you're pregnant, that you could receive a blessing from a priest. So to even consider that at the moment of conception, all the way through to when you are in the grave, there are still rituals in the church that honor, like All Souls Day, for example, which we're going to get into in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So to, to consider that these rituals are a part of a Catholic's life from the moment of conception until we await the final resurrection and the glorified body, the new heaven, the new earth, new Jerusalem, which is pretty, really, it's really, really cool to think about. Yep. So I think it would be really appropriate if we started the the episode now with, with the prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's begin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <clears throat> Grant unto us, O Lord, ever to follow the example 
of thy holy family, that in the hour of death thy glorious Virgin Mother, together with blessed Joseph, may come to meet us, and we may be worthy to be received by thee into everlasting dwellings, who lives and reigns world without end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. That's one prayer that's just so beautiful. <clears throat> one that I use a lot in my when, pastoral care. Yeah. When do you use that? The, well, I use this one more than I use that one. This one's a very traditional one. Um, and it's prayer for, you know, a happy death. <clears throat> this is Padre Pio's Stay With Me, Lord. It's a prayer that you pray after communion. I prayed this after communion for a while, but then it just spoke to me so deeply about the preparatory hours before one faces death. And I started using it in pastoral care moments leading up to death. And I won't read the whole thing, but if you want to look it up, it's, quote, stay with me, Lord, prayer of St. Pio of Pietracena after communion. St. Padre Pio. St. Padre Pio. Um Listen to this. Stay with me, Jesus, for it is getting late. The days are coming to a close and life is passing. Death, judgment, and eternity are drawing near. It is necessary to renew my strength so that I will not stop along the way. And for that, I need you. It is getting late and death approaches. I fear the darkness, the temptations, the dryness, the cross, and the sorrows. Oh, how I need you, my Jesus, in this night of exile. And... People ask me all the time, like, how do you go and minister to people who are dying all the time? Like, that's got to be a horrible yeah. experience. For me, it is probably the epitome of experiencing light in darkness. So it's beautiful. I've had so many beautiful experiences from the time that I've worked at a funeral home to, and, and praying for the dead and being in the prep room and, mm -hmm. and preparing bodies and helping to embalm and do all of that wow. stuff. But as a priest to be in that space and to pray prayers like this and to help people focus on Jesus and the consolation that comes from him in the moment of death, there, there's nothing in comparison to that, man. It's what, so powerful. What can people do now? I mean, even like, I don't believe that I'm approaching death right now, but mm -hmm. like, I still, I still have gutterly like mm -hmm. prayed for a happy death, right? Like I've, I, 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 in my prayer a lot, I'm like, Lord, I, I do not want to be apart from you at my death. And one mm -hmm. of the reasons is when you were with my father and, um, and, and we, we did the, the last rites with mm -hmm. him and it was just a beautiful experience of me, uh, you know, having, you know, a priest present when my father died and the grace that surrounded that. Right. But, but bef even before that, after I saw that, I'm like, this is why I've been praying for this. This mm -hmm. is why I've been praying for the grace of a happy death. Mm -hmm. Because this was a happy death, I believe, for him because he received the sacrament. You were present. We anointed him. Everything, you know. Mm -hmm. it, it's true. <clears throat> but, you know, you see how God choreographed that for your dad and how all of that came together. <clears throat> it was by divine intervention. Yeah. I mean, really, how all of that. And, and, it's, and I see that time and time again. It's not like we we prepare for that in the calendar. Let me, okay, I'm going to schedule you here. in for yeah. like Tuesday evening at seven o'clock. <clears throat> and, I, and I shared this just a couple of weeks ago. There are moments in pastoral care for a priest, I believe this, and it's very true for myself too, where God basically <laughs> breaks into your life and then it's like everything you have planned is out the window. 
you're on you're on my schedule now and you're doing my work and your whole the hours of your life you could be six hours you could be a full week just this past week it was a full week where everything i had to i had to wash from my schedule just because of urgent needs death couple of funerals tragedy suicide heroin addiction um you know od'd you know mother broken heart you know and it just the whole week is is blocked off so to your to your question delacrosse and to anybody out and that's listening in or viewing our content something that you can do comes from blessed charles Foucault. And he said, who's the mystic of the desert, uh, you know, Parisian playboy who had an incredible conversion. Look him up. Blessed Charles Foucault. He said we should meditate on our death at least 30 minutes a day. Right. I don't do that. No, I don't either. But when you do exercise meditation in respect to your own mortality, the perspective that you have and how you're living your life will only grow. And, and then you're going to have that sense of strength of be not afraid in facing your own mortality and how you choose to live your life now will be reflected in the glory of God, you know, being in, in your pure focus of how you're living. Mm-hmm. So when a person is <clears throat> nearing death, what does the church prescribe? Right. Um, you know, we've all heard of last rites or anointing of the sick, but they're not necessarily the same thing. Mm-hmm. So why don't you tell, like, so if you are ministering to a person who is imminently um, facing their death, what does the church do? What do you do in your uh, faculty as a priest? Mm-hmm. So the older generation will still call it last rites, extreme unction. <clears throat> and That's a sacrament. It's yep. a sacrament, which is now being called the anointing of the sick. And in the practice of extreme unction and last rites, you know, what people would wait to the very last minute to receive this sacrament so that they were receiving it at their death. Mm -hmm. This creates a pastoral uh, challenge, if you will, especially when we don't have five priests in a parish or, you know. Right. So... The, the relaxation of this sacrament and the extension of it to the anointing of the sick, now the anointing of the sick is for the forgiveness of sin. So it has the same effect sacramentally, but the Holy Father, you know, and, and the fruits of Vatican II, and I truly believe these are very good fruits, ex- extends mercy even further to someone who is experiencing sickness to the point of either being terminal or at risk of death. So right. you you receive that sacrament even in that occasion, and that boosts your faith, and the mercy of God is very present to the sick person. So that is a part of the sacramental care of the person that is sick, but it doesn't stop there. So that would be recommended wholeheartedly in the, the same initial, light of extreme unction. Yeah, it's kind of like the initial... Uh, you know, unction, mm-hmm. and then you might come back later and do it again. Should not necessarily. Okay. So, so the anointing of the sick is is valid. You know, in the same manner as extreme unction would be valid gotcha. and effective. So it's the same okay. exact effect. But now, you know, when it comes to the commendation of the dying, these are our prayers or prayers for the dead. So when you're commending somebody, um, 
the, these are prayers. The commendation rituals of the church are here. Right. So where everything was kind of extended out, and I've seen the, the prayers of the Latin rite of um, extreme unction. They're absolutely gorgeous, but they include preceding death, into, into death, through death, and after death, where now it's kind of broken up with pastoral care occasions where we may anoint somebody a week before they die or three days before they die or three hours before they die. But we still have the option of doing the commendation rituals if they're nearing death, the prayers for the dead after they die, the prayers for mourners, the family that, that's mm, there. Um, and then you have the option of celebrating masses mm. for the dead, memorial masses for the dead, awaiting the funeral rituals. Wow. So, so now maybe, uh, maybe I'm mistaken, but in my understanding or what I thought I had learned was, and this may be true, is that anointing of the sick is in and of itself a sacrament. And that is part of the last rites. The last rites will have confession, anointing of the sick, mm -hmm. um, the apostolic pardon, the, you know, all of those things. And that the last rites really are that full suite of things where the anointing of the rite is a particular element of that larger rite. Mm -hmm. Is that accurate? I, so this is, this is a ritual book mm -hmm. and the ritual book of pastoral care of the sick include the rites of anointing and viaticum. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yes, they're, they're rites, but when we call them the last rites, mm -hmm. they have a connotation to extreme unction mm -hmm. and the practice of extreme unction in that sacrament has changed. Gotcha. So we have to be careful about correlating <coughs> because <coughs> correlating may trigger a someone. ritual versus a sacrament. Mm -hmm. a exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, mm. well, father just came in and anointed me with the oil. He didn't do... X, Y, Z, confession, you know, you know and all yeah. of that. So does it still have an effect on me or did you, you know? So again, we, we, these are all rights that are related to someone who may be facing a terminal illness to give them the grace of the sacrament. And then we have every other type of ritual for commendation if need be. And, and sometimes the, the sacrament of unction, extreme unction uh, actually heals people. Mm -hmm. I've heard there's been miracles of, of people who have received that sacrament and actually have been healed. I've seen it firsthand for, you know, fourth you stage pancreatic cancer, terminal illness. One of my parishioners, I actually grew up with his son. We were in, we were in uh knock and visiting the old shrine of our lady of knock and three priests, myself, Father Tetlow, and this this Irish man who, who joined us and con celebrated the mass at the conclusion of it. I invited them to come down. We prayed and anointed Fred, and Fred was massively healed. And wow. his daughter, you know, was very concerned. You know, there was a doctor who cleared him. She had him go to like three or four different doctors, and he's still with us today. Thanks be to God. Wow. And he, you know, is a and that was a number of years ago. That was probably like five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but in the occasion that someone is not healed, right. you know, people die, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's the time when the church has a specific set of rules, guidelines, recommendations, and, and continuing pastoral, pastoral care that continues to pray for the soul and of that person, of the departed, and also the dignified care of their remains. Because again, we do not separate, you know, we are not released from our body in death. We are awaiting the resurrection of the body. Um, 
so then that gets into, well, there's going to be the decision whether or not a person should be cremated or buried. Now, up until 1963, the Catholic Church would did not allow cremation because uh, there was the real perceived and legitimate concern of the rejection of the resurrection of the body and, and what it taught to people that if the body was cremated. Now, they've, re- they've loosened that up quite a bit where now it is allowed, not recommended, though. Mm-hmm. It is allowed, though. Um, but they have a series of recommendations um, on what you can, if you do choose to be uh, cremated instead of buried. But the church's preference is always for a burial. Mm-hmm. Full body burial. Yeah. Why? I mean, why is that? And if, if it is the recommendation of the church, why was cremation allowed? Because there's a lot of reasons that cremation, honestly, will in some instances make sense. I mean, look and, at, and it's called for. Yeah. Look mm-hmm. at look at St. Polycarp. He was he was burnt, you know, at the, you know, uh, in his martyrdom. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of saints who are burnt and certainly they were not you know, it's not beyond God's power to reassemble the ashes of a saint, mm-hmm. so why mm-hmm. should it be beyond so God's power? So is that power? the teaching of the church that uh, as we're buried that God would reassemble our bodies through the the bones that we have? So the the material mm-hmm of the body is then paired by God's mysterious action so that, that we are a corporal substance Absolutely. and then that body is glorified. So, you know, the dry bones of uh, Ezekiel is, is definitely a scriptural verse that we could meditate on. Dry bones come to life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is that's, that's a reflection to consider as it relates to the resurrection of the body. And Judaism certainly circled around this concept, and then obviously was manifested in Jesus's teachings. And and uh, and, and then you even look at it today, like even in the military, if somebody is out in the field, they want to retrieve that body mm-hmm. at all costs. Yeah, at mm-hmm. all costs, mm-hmm. even sacrificing another. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, and because there is there is a dignity in death. That's one of the the works of mercy is burying the dead. Yes, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, so, is, but if I could say too, um, if reasons for disease, absolutely right. Um, we even allow cremation to take place now because of economical constraints as well. Because mm-hmm. um, you can't be buried, it's cheaper to be cremated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes you know the civil government might cremate a a homeless person who has no identification. Right? I mean, it happens. So the church doesn't say that it's beyond then the power of God to to reassemble, to reassemble that person, but yeah. they do. They did a few years ago, 2016, I believe, issued some new guidelines and some recommendations because a lot of the practices around cremation have gotten pretty out of control. I mean, you can now be made into a diamond. You could be <laughs> seriously. I mean, Trace. you could be turned into a tree. You could be have your ashes, you know, put into a shotgun shell, and they could shoot you into the oh, ocean. You could be put geez. in the moon. You could be Made into jewelry, they you know they can they can do all any number of things with you know carbon powder, yeah. And it's really become a, a commercialization of of a dead body, right? Yeah. And the church really recommends against that because it it's against the dignity of the person. Now, when someone is cremated, because of the resurrection, absolutely, yeah. So now one of the, the one caveat is the church, if you um, choose cremation in denial of the resurrection, then that is. Not right. okay. Mm-hmm. No. But they say, look, the cremation should happen after a funeral mass, not before. 
And, and if that's not possible, the, the ashes should then have that mass, but mm-hmm. the preference is the full body be at the mass. They say that the ashes should be placed in a sacred space, like a church or a graveyard, right? Not in the home. Hallowed ground. Not, yeah. And mm-hmm. they should absolutely not be scattered. They, they don't, don't take grandma and go on a plane and, you know, scatter her over the cornfield, right? They, they, Chuck her off a boat right. into the ocean because yeah. she loves sailing there. Right, yeah, they... They say don't don't do that because it's a scattering to the wind and that it really recommends against that. Yeah, the integrity of species is very important. And <clears throat> to have a place that is hallowed, blessed, a, a place for someone to rest, awaiting the final resurrection, their body to receive the dignified rites associated with All Souls Day, memorial masses and memorial visits, all of these and the prayers associated with visiting a graveyard, the prayers associated with visiting yeah. the headstone, all of those are related to how we grieve, how we ache in this world, awaiting the resurrection. And now more and more places that I, you know, I'm in a developing town. There's no plans for a cemetery, cemetery here. Yeah. We don't want to look at death. And this this circles back in society. And you could see that happen. We don't want to look at death. We want to repress it. We want to just, you know, not even look at it. Right. That's that's problematic. That's mm-hmm. really, yeah. really problematic. And let me say this too. You know, having the remains of a loved one in an urn over, you know, a, a hutch of some sort or over a there's things that happen where it gets knocked over. We'll see meet the parents. Yeah, and then exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's all you have yeah. to do is see meet the parents. Um, you know, loved ones can be put into a uh, a storage facility, put up into the attic, put into the basement, then forgotten. Yeah, it's 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 basically devoid of the dignity of the resurrection. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's Absolutely. essentially what we're talking about. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, I mean that that's. That's that's what I'm gathering from this. And, you know, you mentioned on All Souls Day, there's um, uh, a, a way to pray for the dead. I can't remember exactly what you said, but, uh, you know, visiting a cemetery. And I took my kids mm-hmm. to a cemetery, and we visited some graves. Absolutely. For my dead relative. Absolutely. And I thank you for that. And I wouldn't have learned that unless I was on this show with you guys. And once I learned that, I actually did it with my kids. We prayed for my dad. We prayed for my grandparents and... You know, yeah, yeah so, I mean, cool. there's indulgences, certainly, at, at certain times of year, particularly around All Souls Day, where you can go and visit a cemetery devoutly, uh, with obviously having satif- satisfied the normal conditions for receiving an indulgence, but those indulgences can then be applied to the deceased. Yeah. There's also the tradition of the month's mind mass, right? And what this tradition was, and this was, you know, a long tradition in the church that is not really... Uh, done much anymore, but you would have a mass specifically celebrated one month after the death of a person. And that was called the month's mind mass. And that was um, a tradition for a very long time. Um, but you should also be having masses celebrated for your deceased loved ones. Uh, there's, you know, your parish, you can call them and plan it out on the their schedule. If that's not available, there's a lot of services now where you can call a church or a religious order and they have you know, a very easy interface for you to be able to request and have a mass offered. So definitely ha- do that. Now I'm going to give you a list of <laughs> my family members. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That would be wonderful. I'd, I'd yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah. Now, what happens at the typical Catholic funeral, Padre? Mm-hmm. 
so let me just let me start with this. The Catholic Church, in the Catholic Church, every baptized Christian and Catholic is due one right by canon law, and that is the right of Christian burial. The fraternal offices of the funeral is something that is celebrated for every baptized person. And, you know, Regardless I'm seeing more and more, you practice whether your you're practicing or, your, if you're, you know, if you got baptized and you never went to church again in your life, one right that you enjoy by law is the right of a Christian funeral, hmm. which is beautiful and, and merciful. But more and more, I'm seeing people, I just want to, can you just do the burial and let's get, let's get on with it. I like, I don't want to, I don't oh. want to do this. I don't, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to yeah. cry. I don't want to grieve. I don't. And again, it's in this cancel culture. It's in this culture that doesn't want to look at death. It's in a culture that doesn't want to, it wants to bubble children and not expose them to any type of yeah. thing. Harm. Some of the, my greatest memories as an, as a child was the experience of being in a funeral home, my, the death of my great grandparents, going to the cemetery like you did with your children, you know, my grandparents taking me to visit my uncles who died, you know, all of that for me, it definitely spoke to my vocation now, without yeah. a doubt. Like but I could look back at that. It, it I wasn't like going it. to the skating rink or going, you know, yeah. the grocery store. And you don't even remember making that. the well, meals. Death is a once in a lifetime occurrence mm -hmm. for each mm -hmm. person. Yeah, obviously. So I mean, yeah. they are momentous occasions, and it's impactful yeah. because we have to get that in our minds. So, so many there. There's such a rise in suicidal ideation, and I think there's a correlation. We need to be exposed to difficult things. Mm -hmm. And death, yes, it is difficult, and we need to be sensitive about it. But at the same time, death, where is your sting? The scripture says that. Death, you have no power. Yeah. Right? Because Jesus is the resurrection. We need to celebrate in the, in that in the context of someone dying. So there's a reception of the body in the church, right? There could be a place of memorial in the church, even an open casket memorial, if the church would accommodate that in its facility. Then you process to the baptismal font, you know, in the waters of baptism, our dear brother, Ralph died with Christ. May he now rest with him in peace. We sing a hymn. We process into the hymn. We place the remains of our loved ones at the foot of the sanctuary next to the Paschal candle, which is illuminated at the Easter vigil every year in particular to be the light that is Christ. The light that is the Paschal candle is the light that is Christ. It's a sacrament in and of itself. And we place that in the throes of the death, the darkness of death. The priest goes into the sanctuary, reverences the altar. Let us pray. Opening prayer, sit down. Now the readings. Families typically select the readings. They, they sit down and begin to reflect on that. So, you know, then you preach a homily, um, and then, you know, we start entering into the liturgy of the Eucharist. So I, I did have a question on that. Is there, you know, I know that there's the, the vigil for the deceased the night before, right? Mm -hmm. And that's typically what the wake was for. Then there's the mass of Christian burial. It is its own rubrics for that mass. Mm -hmm. 
how different is that mass? Maybe is there any, I guess, different, um, any, any different parts as far as I don't know, the consecration or anything that would be different from a standard mass? Mm -hmm. Or is it in the selection of the readings, those types of things? So in the Missal, there's a place of memorial. And you actually insert the name of the deceased in the Eucharistic prayer. So you are tied in wow. the Missal, you know, the, the book of the living. You know, you are, you are speaking a loved one's name in the context of a sacred liturgy. Is there any other time a person is mentioned in the Eucharistic prayer except for their funeral mass? Their, their wow. funeral? Well, you know, when, when it comes to uh, bishops, right? Yeah. Um, you know, for ordination. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting when you start looking at, you know, and then Eucharistic prayer one, you can actually include names of the living um, in that particular section. Mm -hmm. um, so you, it can be done, but it's not, you know, to consider that your name is being included in the liturgy itself is pretty powerful Absolutely. when you consider it. It's dignifying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. So then, after the mass, then you know it go it goes on like normal. And then there's the final commendation and mm -hmm. the, those prayers. Is there a specific rite at the, um, at at the at the side of the funeral at the actual the mm -hmm. side of the grave? Is that something mm -hmm. that is also guided by particular rites? I think that's interesting as well. So so what you have is you you do your final commendation, and then your procession to the place of committal. And then you have your committal that takes place, which is your ritual graveside mm -hmm. as well. Um, so let me just open to that. So rite of committal with final commendation. So a commendation means like a final burial, right? Yeah, it's at the place where you're commending your loved ones to the elements or to a hallowed place. You're blessing uh, the location. The place that of, they are. Exactly. Yeah. So now when the funeral procession arrives at the place of committal, the minister says one of the following or similar invitations. We gather here to commend our brother or sister to God, who our father, and to commit his body or her body to the earth or elements in the spirit of faith and the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let us offer our prayers for Ralph. Poor Ralph. Yeah. He's just using Ralph because he's my dad. <laughs> mm -hmm. it, I mean, that, that was just such a touching experience. <clears throat> <clears throat> then you reflect on a, a short scripture verse, and then you pray over the place of committal. And if the committal is to be blessed, Lord Jesus, by your own three days in the tomb, this is to reflect on Jesus was committed to a tomb, a place yeah. that was a burial location yeah. with dignity, with, with memory. Dignity. Joseph of Arimathea. <clears throat> yeah, Joseph of Arimathea is actually the patron saint of undertakers wow. for that very reason. <laughs> wow. and, and and right there, you so you hallowed the graves of all who believe in you, and so made the grave a sign of hope that promises resurrection, wow. even as it claims our mortal bodies. Mm -hmm. Grant that our brother or sister may sleep here in peace until you awaken him or her to glory, for you are the resurrection and the life. Then they will see you face to face, and in your light will see light, 
and know the splendor of God, for you live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Which Amen. I just think is so That's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Then we invite to pray, silence, song of farewell, saints of God come to his aid, hasten to meet him, angels of the Lord receive his soul and present him to God the Most High. And then the prayer of commendation, <clears throat> prayer over the people, the Lord be with you and with your spirit, bow your yeah. heads for God's blessing. Merciful Lord, you know the anguish of the sorrowful. You are attentive to the prayers of the humble. Hear your people as they cry out to you in their need and strengthen their hope in your lasting goodness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. May he rest in peace. Amen. May his soul and the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. You know what is so beautiful about this show and, and for you guys that are listening is that <clears throat> like this is a preparation for you for your 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 next funeral. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right? Like this this is this is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Right? This is like I mean you can't ask for something better. You know, for somebody to be sent off in 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 the tomb and in in the hope of the resurrection. I mean like yeah, knowing how many stuff. times do people go to funerals and they're just like you know, yeah, morning and, you know, whatever. And then they don't listen to these words yeah, and this prayer and this right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's powerful. And, and when you actually have people respond with receive his soul and present him to God, the most high, that's a response. The people yeah. of God should be responding with that. And you should probably prepare people for a funeral even mm -hmm. absolutely, like to sit them down and say, look, this is a very important thing. Mm -hmm. Like what we're doing, here's what we're doing, you know, instead of like, Hey, we're just going to go from here to here and yeah. then say the prayers and then bury them. You know, I went to my dad's funeral. It was nothing like that. I mean, I, mm -hmm. we had, I don't, I don't even know if we had a, I think we did have a priest, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we did have a priest. It was at the Holy, it was at Holy Spirit. Yeah. No, yeah. The funeral mm -hmm. was there, mm -hmm. but you know, the burial, mm -hmm. the commendation, mm -hmm. which you talked mm -hmm. about, yeah. you know, I yeah. mean, like, you know, I kind of missed all that because it was just like mm -hmm. everybody in my family just walking around and stuff. And it was quick. It was probably yeah, it was quick, quick too. Quick. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I think really knowing this stuff, preparing for this stuff, because yeah. there are going to be people around you who die, including yourself. Sure. But knowing this stuff and knowing it well, when when you do face a time of grief and it's hard to concentrate or think, Great point. that you're going to be prepared for that. And it's not going to be something that is going to be lost in the in the midst of, of, of your grief. And right? you will receive right. greater consolation Absolutely. from it that's because right. of your knowledge. That's that's what I that's what I was and trying the, to get at. And the deceased yeah. person will also receive those graces because you will be able to do things like like the prayers after death, like the planning, you know it's just participation. Yeah, planning rosaries and family rosaries yeah. at the vigil, right? Yeah. Being able to plan for particular things at the commendation yeah. and, and really being present in that moment, right? Yeah. I mean, everyone daydreams at mass from time to time. They're not paying attention, but this is one of those masses and one of those Catholic things that you should be focused on that. Don't, like Joseph of Arimathea. Right. Like he was so focused on, on the burial of Jesus. Right. So mm -hmm. focused. Mm -hmm. You know, but then sometimes you're at a funeral and you're looking around like, is that person crying? Oh, they're really having a hard time. Yeah. It's a nice place here, and they're going to rest well here. Oh well, we still got to make sure that we have all this stuff for the for the reception afterwards. And you're just, and you're not in the moment. You're not in the moment. And it's of, hard to be because of grief, right? Like at the, I mean, you're not grieving at mass most of the time, like that, right? So it's good for this to kind of cut through the cobwebs of like this is my participation. 
and the burial of my loved one. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You know, and just again, that preparation for it. So it's not, it's not coming as a surprise and you have it in the back of your head so that when it does happen, you know, God willing, not often and not for a long time, but when it does, you at least have a frame of reference for, to know what you should be thinking or considering yeah. to do. Mm -hmm. There should almost be a preparation for funerals like mm -hmm. offered by... We put together in my first parish that I was assigned to, we, we put together a pre-need um, weekend where, you know, we had a lot of different resources, a lot of different help and guided people through, you know, funeral rituals, um, you know, all of these different steps as it relates to funeral homes, uh, selecting readings, all this stuff. So people would choose what they wanted for their own funeral because some people, their kids don't practice the faith. You know, their grandkids don't practice the faith. When they die, if they don't put together what they want in their will or if they don't work that out with the, with the church, they're left to their kids that may not want any of it or not know any of or it. Does, yeah, and it's like, oh, yeah, and you're not going to have your last, you know, wishes or, or, or needs really mm -hmm. met. I, yeah. I've met with people before and I'll say, you know, your mom was a daily communicant. She would have wanted a funeral, mass. you know? Daily communicants like going to mass every yeah, day. Yeah, would definitely have won a mass and like, yeah, we don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's mm. heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And every time that I've had to pastorally intervene when That's people mutiny. are like spiritual mutiny <laughs> and, and, and really, and, and this is in, in deference to kids or grandkids that just have, they don't know it. apostatized or sure. left the faith. Yeah. They don't know it. They don't, they, know. they don't know it. They don't know what to do, Yeah, you know, and all they need is a little bit of pastoral care and coaching. And, and you just sit there and you're like, you know, listen, mom was she went to mass daily and she would have wanted this. And I know it wasn't in her will or anything like that. You know, we should pray and honor your mom's faith. Yeah. But to, to the extent that you're able to um, make sure that that's well known, that what you would like. Oh, you done have with to. Yourself. Yeah, you have to do make, it. Yeah. Just to the extent that you can, even mm -hmm. if you're healthy, let it be known, you know, what you would like done yeah. and that you would like a funeral mass. Oh. As we build out our website for our parish, you know, together, you know, that's the that's the hope is like a lot of these services will be able to be automated yeah. and you know provided and you for have people a to select. Pretty decent elderly community. I mean, I wouldn't mm -hmm. say you were an elderly parish, mm -hmm. but uh, mm -hmm. you know, you have some it's a it's a people. mixed demographic for it sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on what what color do you typically wear for a funeral liturgically? I have a white vestment that I really love with a black uh, black etching on the side. So it's like the centerpiece of it is black, and then the sides around the neck are black. Um, you know, I, I definitely have a proclivity toward black vestments, um, but they've been out of practice in the church since are Vatican they, II. Are they prohibited or just they are not prohibited? No. They're not prohibited. I like, I like black. Yeah, I, I think the black vestment, you know, the white vestment, I understand fully why they, you mm -hmm. know, it's a celebration and it's a, yeah. it's a sign of the joy of the hope. But, you know, white, white vestments are worn on days of great celebration in the church, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I think the black vestment reminds people that this is your opportunity to pray for the dead because 
when your loved ones pass away, it's not Santo Subito and they're right into heaven. You know, they're with the angels now. And, you know, yeah, but it's also that like death is not, well, I'm not afraid of death. Right. I'm wearing a death, I'm wearing a black vestment. Mm-hmm. I'm celebrating mass. Like this is not something we're afraid of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of black vestments have beautiful gold stitching on them as well, Mm. which gives you that, you know, that sense of what are the gold vestments and when are they worn? They're worn at Easter for the solemnity of the Easter vigil. They're worn at Christmas Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the feast of Christ, the King, for example, as it relates to all the apocalyptic readings and the end of time, you know, so those gold vestments are, are associated with that. So black with the gold can, you know, really correlate to that sense of resurrection, heaven, as it relates to the darkness of what I'm facing right now, awaiting that, well, if we that have glorification. Any, if we any, if we have any well-to-do listeners out there that want to send Father Rich a black vestment, <laughs> make sure it's got gold lace on it. Make sure it has gold lace. No, <laughs> only the finest for him. <laughs> So, you know, look, yeah, this episode really was, I mean, it's important to talk about, it's, you know, talk about death. Yeah. Yeah. We're all going to die. And to not, and to not be afraid, afraid of it. And to know that God's with you the whole way Mm -hmm. through, Mm -hmm. not just as a family in the burial, Joseph of Arimathea, Mm -hmm. but, but also through the pain and suffering that you receive that is glorified by God Mm -hmm. unto your Mm-hmm. You know, and one last thing I want to put in is just make sure that you're saying your prayers for those in purgatory, uh, for all the forgotten souls in purgatory that don't have family left, that never had family, and have no one who even knows that they exist anymore, mm-hmm. that they're completely lost they to had history. Nobody to pray for them. There's people from 14th century Bulgaria, and there's people from 1928 New York, and there's people from Saskatchewan in the 1800s, and no one knows that they existed mm-hmm. anymore. They're lost to history. And 2500 BC, somebody from Greece uh, or something. Uh, certainly. And there's all these people who are dead, gone, and forgotten. And the only family they have left is us, us. alive. Yeah. Pray for them because mm-hmm. they're counting on us because we are their last family. Pray that's fallen, that's fallen that out of practice, too, is it, the it, pray, it, you know, <clears throat> prayer for the souls of purgatory. It, My grandmother raised me with that. You yeah. have to do it. There's like a saint. Agatha or something like that, where there's a novena that you can pray for people too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's well. so many prayers for those in yeah. the purgatory. So one prayer that we want to encourage you to do is that prayer after communion. You know, if, if you're going to be meditating on your death, if you're going to follow the pastoral guidance of Blessed Charles Foucault, if you are to live out this scripture that's calling us, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Where is your sting? You know, like there is no leverage over death. If you want to develop that spirituality and get built up like that, you know, maybe consider this prayer card of St. Padre Pio. Pray the prayer for a happy death after communion and realize when you come to the Eucharistic banquet, the promise of those who feed upon the very body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ are promised eternal life, that we have life within us, right? We participate in that covenant of the promise in his blood. So to to know that when you come forward to receive the Eucharist, worthy to receive, prepared by a good confession, you, my friends, are receiving the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. That is the Eucharist. That is the species that we believe present to us as Catholics is being truly present and effective in us. So come forward, receive the resurrection, resurrected body of Christ, 
and discern your own death. What an incredible thing to include in your daily life. If you're receiving daily, certainly weekly, and that could be another, you know, opportunity for you. So my brothers and sisters, we want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Ave Maria University, as well as Exodus 90. Ave Maria University is the premier Catholic university in the country. Check it out. Send people there that you love because they will love it at Ave Maria University. Exodus 90 is an excellent program, a 90-day austere program of spirituality exercising with brothers in, in the fraternity around Christ and his masculinity and exiting the world, entering more deeply into solidarity with Christ and others. So we want to say a big thank you to our sponsors and we'll see you next week. God bless.